This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much. Also joining us this morning, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Butch, you on the line? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here waiting waiting to deal with my friends. <laughs> Great to have you, Butch. Uh talking about friends also joining us this morning in the in the Sunday morning Zoomer roundtable. Uh former uh Washington Capitol Leapin' Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are you this morning? Real good, thank you. Good morning, Butch. Good morning, Lou. How are you, my man? Doing well. Good. Anyways, uh be thrilled we've got an hour um uh, interesting uh, week for the Toronto Maple Police. We'll get to it. Uh, a lot of other things in the sports world this week. I think it's appropriate at this point in time that uh, we pay our respects to uh, Walter Gretzky. Um, passed this week at the age of 87, affectionately known as hockey's uh, most famous uh, hockey dad. Um left a lot of indelible memories and uh, reminds us uh, so much of for those of us who are passionate about hockey, for those of us who uh, perhaps grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, or whenever, reminds reminds us so much of uh, what we held dear or hold dear about the game of hockey. Uh, of course, so much Canadian and Walter Gretzky, a proud Canadian, uh, a, fi- a fitting uh send-off yesterday, uh, eulogy, uh, heartfelt by his son, Wayne. Um, and uh, I, I took from that uh, one, uh, one phrase that Wayne said uh, about his dad, Walter. Uh, there, was never, there was no prouder Canadian than my dad. Uh, what a fitting tribute. Uh, Naz, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, brief thoughts on, uh, on Walter Gretzky. Very popular man, like everyone around it's interesting, you know, they used to show him on the camera all the time at the, at the gardens and the Air Canada Center. And uh, he would get a thunderous ovation. He never, his son never played for the Leafs. And his trauma respected him so much. Uh, certainly no question. Uh, never got, personally, never got the opportunity to meet him in person, to shake his hand. Would have loved to. Um, probably got within 10 feet of him at the Air Canada Center, but there was always, there was always, you know, 20, 30, 40 people around around him, especially after the periods. Everybody wanted a picture with him. Everybody wanted his autograph. Um, those are those are my thoughts of, of Walter Gretzky. Butch, um, you didn't grow up in Canada. Um, you weren't around here in the 60s and 70s. Came to Canada a little bit later on. Don't know if you ever got the opportunity to meet Walter Gretzky at any uh, sporting celebration of any kind. Um, you know, uh, 
just ask you as an outsider. Uh, I wouldn't call you an outsider. Sorry, I take that back. As a person who did not grow up in Canada, I apologize for that earlier remark. Uh, you didn't grow up in Canada. You came to Canada. Uh, your impressions, first of all, of uh, the culture of hockey in Canada when you arrived, because I, I think Walter Gretzky epitomized that. Um, your impressions, Butch. My impression was just all the stories of Wayne talking about his dad's commitment to get him to hockey practice and playing hockey and the sacrifice that uh, he felt his father made for him to be the hockey player that he would become. Um, you know, it was, uh, I thought, very rewarding just to understand that um, parents have to give up something for their kids to achieve a, a different level. And uh, to hear, you know, the first, my first impressions were about his dad was through his son's story. And I, I just thought it was uh, outstanding that his son felt uh, a true connection for the commitment that his father's made. Um, and uh, I think that's part of that is why Wayne would become a good father. So I, I think for me, uh, he, he is a legend. Of, he's the father of a legend. Um, he embellished what uh, sacrifice that a lot of Canadian parents make because everyone forgets that Canada for youth sports is pay to play. And um, Canadians make these drives on the weekend for the kids to play in tournaments. Um, and uh, Wayne's dad epitomized that sacrifice from parents. And I just think it's an outstanding story. Uh, Lou, uh, you you have a different experience than perhaps Naz, I, and Butch. You actually got the opportunity to meet Walter Gretzky uh, on on more than one occasion. And uh, you know, when I when I think of Walter Gretzky, when I think of Wayne Gretzky, I I, I think of those uh, videos that they do, the backyard skating rink. And you know, Lou and I, you and I, basically grew up more or less uh, same time. Uh, and I have I have such vivid recollections of my first time in a hockey arena. Uh, it was Weston Arena down at uh, you, you know down down the hill at uh, Weston Lions Arena. There, uh, they used to have a Catholic youth league. Uh, is my my brother? I went to St. Bernard's, and they used to play the other local Catholic schools. And I have such vivid memories that I, I, I going to see my brother play, and I, I must have been about four years old. Like, and, you know, there's something about walking into a hockey arena in Canada that is, is so special uh, for Canadians in any event. Uh, Lou, your, uh, your remembrances of Walter Gretzky and uh, what he epitomized? Well, you know, I don't think we have uh, enough time to, uh, to, to talk about all the, all the things that, that he has contributed. Uh, I was very lucky that I was in the business. I actually... Some people don't know, or a lot of people don't know, but I actually played left wing on Wayne's line when he was 14 years old with the Vaughn Nats at the junior B level. Uh, but uh, over the last 10 or 15 years, being involved at uh, the NHL alumni traveling team, we'd go all around Ontario, uh, Walter was always there with us. And the thing that Walter brought was he never wanted any attention. You look at the hockey games, all the accolades, all the standing room uh, cheers that he got. He never wanted all that attention. It was all about Wayne. Um, every game that we went to or that, that we played in, uh, he always was the last one. And the guy that organized it, Chris McCullough, would always complain about, come on, Walter, let's go. Well, I've got to sign these 
people's cards. I don't want to send them home with nothing. Uh, he he made sure that he signed everybody's card that came up and approached him and, and took a picture with with all the kids and all the parents that that wanted to uh, to that wanted to take a picture with him. Uh, reading uh, yesterday's uh, article in the newspaper, the rink that he built in his backyard was for business. It wasn't for pleasure. Uh, Brent would come home, uh, according to the article, and they'd be goofing around, playing with a uh, with a tennis ball instead of a puck, which was one of Walter's uh, great in, uh, inventions there. Uh, he thought if he can handle a, a, a ball on ice, uh, the puck can be a lot easier. I guess they were flowing around on the ice, and he came home and started yelling at him and saying, listen, what do you think I built this thing? It's for pleasure. Get in and work hard. So he went into the house, got the cones and pucks, and the kids started doing drills for three or four hours. And the kids enjoyed that. They, you know, Walter and, and Brent and uh, Keith all, all loved that that part of it because uh, they knew that if they did that, you know, they they would become uh, somebody and or, or someone there. So it, it, it's just you know, Walter is just an amazing man. Uh, it's it, just being around him is so. Uh, it was so special. Uh, I know every time that I was around him, it, it was just like he'd, he'd give me that smile and give me that wave, and, and I knew everything was good because it was just it was just everything that he'd been through, and uh, obviously with uh, with almost losing his life, uh, falling down uh, in 1961, uh, where he had a break, uh, fractured skull. It's just amazing what he's done, especially for Canada. And he's always been to the forefront, even though he's never really wanted any of that attention. That's all. It was always about Wayne. Yeah, talking about uh, uh, Walter Gretzky had that accident, brain aneurysm in 1991. Butch, um, I, I can't, uh, you know, obviously Canada is a much smaller country than the United States. You know, I thought about what parallels there were to... to uh, to uh, Walter Gretzky in terms of a famous sporting parent. I mean, we're all familiar with the parents, the famous athletes who have famous sons or daughters. But, uh, you know, a non-sporting parent couldn't come up with that many parallels. Uh, you know, parents of, 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 of star athletes tend to be famous for sometimes, a lot of times, for the wrong reasons, not so much for the right reasons. Um only parallel I could think of, and, and I, I'm going to ask people not to criticize me for throwing this out before I even throw it out, but I'm just saying from an infamy point of view, uh, Tiger Woods' father, Earl, um, the Serena, the, the Williams sister, Richard Williams, famous in their own right, in their own celebrity. Can't think of many other parallels. Uh, but you, uh, you know, you're, you're a professional athlete, athlete. Your brother is a professional athlete. Um, you, have, you know, people in your family that are professional athletes. The importance of that parental support. Um, um, you know, you've been a coach. You understand what it takes uh, to mold young people. Uh, it starts with the parents. It's the coaches. That whole support system. Tell us of the importance of that. Butch? And here, the thing you have to understand is that it's different. Um, the 50s and the 60s did not allow uh, for the athlete's parents to be successful. 
um, the modern day story would be Dale Curry and his two sons in the NBA. You are right about uh, Mr. Woods and Mr. Williams. But, you know, my story is, you know, I've got a black and white picture that I kept of my my father uh, thought he was good enough to make the high school team in 1957 and 58 and a cutting. And he went to another town and played against the team he wanted to play for in his hometown. But they only kept a certain number of black athletes. So, you know, the issue of, of um, parents, black parents in the 40s, 50s, or 60s is, is minute because they just weren't allowed to play integrated, integrated sports. So, um, you know, it's an entirely different situation if you look at, uh, you know, Canada never had slavery. And that issue uh, of segregation and integration rolled right through even after Martin Luther King. So, you know, I asked your audience, they would need to keep that in perspective on, you know, um, why there wasn't, you know, um, you know, I grew up and my dad could never understand why I was at Indy University and I was there for education, but it just drove him crazy that I was playing for Bobby Knight and how unfair he felt that night was, um, as far as that Knight would never start five black players. So, um... You know, this thing uh, in the United States, it, you know, has not gone away. Um, and you would hope for it always an integrated situation. But, you know, even to this day, you will find uh, segregated schools um, that say they're not, by law they're not, but by actuality of how they decide to make their decisions with sports teams, they're still very segregated. Uh, just follow up before I turn it back to Naz before we go to break. Just a follow up on that, Butch. You're you're you know you're very involved in uh, teaching young <clears throat> uh, young men and women, um, uh, for lack of a better term, basketball. Probably from a more generic level, life skills. Um, you come in contact. I'm sure you have done that throughout your career with 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 parents. Uh, what do you what do you uh, if you were to give parents some advice in terms of, you know, you've got a star athlete um, as a child, uh, what advice would you give a parent? Well, I think the, the most important advice is that they have to put a shell around them. Uh, you have to build a shell around, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that happened in a bad way that happened for Vince was when I decided I did not want to coach the Toronto Raptors. I had built a very protective fence around for Vince to operate in. Vince grew up in a very, uh, you know, uh, middle-income family, very successful, you know, uh, never had to share his bedroom with anyone, never had to deal with, you know, poverty or being hungry, and then going to North Carolina and playing for Dean Smith. So um, people understand that you got to put a box around them. You know, that was the most important thing that Mr.
or your kids and tells you to stop that education, there's something that's going to be hidden from you. So, I mean, that's, that's what I try. It's, I tell them all the time, it's not church. It's not the barbershop or the beauty shop. You know, it's life. It's tough. But you have to, you know, put yourself in a situation where you continue to learn. Uh, Naz, before uh, before we go to break, uh, your thoughts uh, on the following. Uh, um, you know, Walter Gretzky's funeral service yesterday uh, in Brantford, uh, where it all began, uh, was broadcast live on TSN. Uh, pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, pretty remarkable testament to this man. Um, what I thought was one of the most stirring, stirring things that I saw yesterday. Uh, there were a whole bunch of people in Brantford that lined up on the streets, so many of them wearing hockey sweaters with hockey sticks and doing the ultimate hockey salute that you see in a hockey arena uh, when when hockey players uh, give salute somewhere else. They bring a hockey stick and they bang their stick, not in this case on the ice, but in this case on the road or on the sidewalk. Pretty, pretty remarkable. A testament to the people of Brantford. I know Brantford's within our uh, listening area. Uh, thank you to the people of Brantford for that remarkable, remarkable salute. Uh, couldn't have been more perfect. Naz? You know, I I was in a foursome with Walter Getsky back in 2001. It was 18 holes, and they bought a guest for our foursome, and it was Walter Gretzky. Wow. Amazing. Uh, Todd Harvey, I mean, you remember he played for the North Stars. He was in our foursome, too. What stories, man. What stories. What a great man he was. And certainly on, on Naz's tribute, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let this part of the show go to Walter Gretzky. Thank you so much. Rest in peace. Thanks so much for so many fantastic memories. Thanks for being Canada's hockey dad. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Rayul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra-thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Rayul wants is an inflatable waste. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He's only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. 
Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. trading cards and sports merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I would usually say at this point, live from Liberty Village, or I used to say that up until about a year ago. Can't believe it's been a year since uh, we've been out of the studio, Naz. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I miss the studio, you know? Yeah, I, I, I sure do. Uh, it's been a year of this now, so... Uh, uh, I used to love saying we're live from Liberty Village. Now we're live from Richmond Hill uh, and Nobleton and wherever wherever Butch and Lou are this morning. Anyways, uh, Lou, uh, let, let's uh, let's go around the round table. Uh, the Leafs look like I had I had uh, I had purchased a whole bunch of tickets for the Leafs Stanley Cup parade uh, after the third the third Edmonton game. Uh, I mean, what a remarkable performance against the Edmonton Oilers for three games. Uh, the, my, my my tickets had gone up significantly in the, in the current uh, bubble that's going on, but uh, I think I've lost a few bucks on my Stanley Cup parade tickets in the last couple of nights against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, great great performances against Edmonton. Couple of steps back against Vancouver. I'm not getting all excited about it. It's a long season. Uh, you're not going to win every game. Um, but I didn't like the way they lost last night's game, Lou. Uh, they had the game in hand in the third period. Uh, the, the whipping boy, Willie Nylander, or as they call him nowadays, Willie Stiles, uh, uh, flipped the puck out uh, into the into the stands uh, while not being pressured in the middle of the third period. And things deteriorated from there. Lou, let's, uh, let's analyze the Leafs' week. A pretty remarkable uh, three performances in Edmonton and a cut couple of steps back against Vancouver. Where are we, Luke? Well, I think you better get to uh, Mike Amendola and see if those tickets have gone up over the last uh, <laughs> week or so for, for, the, uh, for the Stanley Cup parade. But, uh, you know, the Leafs, as great as they played against uh, Edmonton, there was a few flaws last night. Uh, I watched uh, probably uh, two-thirds of it. And, and again, I, I can't believe where hockey has gone where everybody turns off. Uh, there's so much, as we would call it, river skating. Uh, you look at one of the goals that this, I'm not sure if it was a second or third goal, uh, Mitch Marner doesn't take his guy to the post and lets him in for an easy tap-in. Uh, again, Mitch Marner turns the puck over on a behind-the-back behind the pass, uh, behind the pass in a neutral zone. They go back down, and uh, Holanger scores the fourth and clinching goal. Uh, and, you know what, it, you can't blame Nylander for every little thing. Sure, he, he dumped a puck out. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think it's a team effort. Uh, and, and maybe they just weren't ready to play uh, Vancouver after the big three games that they had against Edmonton. You look at uh, what Vancouver did. is they, they played the kind of hockey that superstars don't want to play in. They, they gave Matthews a little cross-check here. They rubbed his face a little bit. After he got rid of the puck, it just the, the, the little nuisances, uh, nuisances that uh, that superstars don't like. And at the end of the day, what they did to Edmonton, Vancouver was doing to them uh, the last two games. So I don't even think they've reached halfway through the season yet. It, it's still early, uh, but again, there's there's no no reason to panic here. I think they're on 
uh, they're on schedule and uh, they can only get better as, uh, as the season wears on. Ness, uh, you know, I'm not, not going to say that Nylander cost them the game that he, he had a pretty good week of hockey, quite frankly. And uh, if he keeps it up, um, you know, it bodes well. Um, but what it did highlight, what it did highlight is the one area that I find concerning so far for the Leafs. They're strong in so many areas, but they're, pel- they're penalty killing. Uh, I think against Vancouver, correct me if I'm wrong, gave up three penalties and Vancouver scored on all three. And uh, on, they scored a net Nylander penalty last night. Anything there, Naz, you see a little... Yeah, there's, that, that's a weakness on that team, for sure, penalty killing. Everything else is in good shape. But you know what? They ran into a pretty hot goalie in Vancouver two games in a row. He's uh, Demko's pretty good goalie. And they, they seem to run into these guys every so often. But you know what? The big the biggest loss is Dwayne Simmons. If Wayne Simmons was out there, he would protect. They need to protect Matthew more. Matthews more. And without uh, Simmons there, they, they they will falter against teams because they're going to isolate on Matthews all all night long, right? Yeah. Well, they didn't need. Uh, I, I think I I I think Wayne Simmons makes th- this Leaf team a much better hockey team. He 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 brings. You know that sandpaper. He brings leadership. Uh, he brings respect. Um, no question, the Toronto Maple Leafs are—I uh, don't know, if, lack of a better term—much better team, but certainly a better team with Wayne Simmons in the lineup. Although they, they look pretty damn good against Edmonton. Butch, I don't know if you have—you've had the opportunity to watch much Leafs hockey so far this season, but I'd—you uh, know—that we we've had spirited debates about the Leafs in the past. Uh, one of your key issues. For improvement, for the Leafs or for any other team, is improving the structure. You use that word quite often. Butch, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Leafs. Uh, I appreciate your insights at this time. Well, I mean, you just have to be careful. I mean, like you guys, you know, you're excited about the three wins at Edmonton, but Edmonton hadn't been very good in the last three years. So, you know, I, you know, I question, you know, the wins over. The, what you're looking for is quality wins. The the other issue. Issue is you know you go to Vancouver and your penalty killing is bad. So how can you beat good teams if you can't kill penalties? First of all, you shouldn't have the penalties, and the second of all, if you can't if you're going to give up scores and, and the penalties, they've got a really they've got a really big problem. You know to, to get in the playoffs and be successful when they start integrating and have to play down south. So you know they've always been a young team that we question the grit on the backside. And uh, what Vancouver did is what you typically will do. You know, once you get in Matthews' face and rough him up, it's good for Matthews because he now will have a higher expectation of what he has to do against that kind of team. So, you know, it's actually something as a coaching staff you can't coach, you know, that uh, a player has to see it, feel it. And then he'll, if he's a good player, he'll make the mental adjustment to come back and know he has to be better prepared and, and that's what's going to happen. So, you know, and it's more playoff hockey. You know, loose comments about river skating is exactly right. That's the toughest part for all those older guys watching younger players. They believe in this freedom of movement, you know, and they're out there acting like, you know, they're a ballerina instead of, a, you know, a real hockey player. So the game has softened up in all sports. Um, and it's hard for us older guys to watch in whatever sport it is. You know, it's just not as fierce and gritty in that been brought on by all the guaranteed contracts. You know, that's that's my two cents on it. 
Let me ask you, Butch. There's there's certain uh, respected commentators that are saying that the Leafs are the best team in the league, Stanley Cup favorites. Uh, forget about this, uh, you know, feeding in the North Division. It's got nothing to do with it. There's weaknesses down in the American divisions. Uh, Leafs are the best team. Uh, and let's uh, and, le- and let's uh, be careful of our criticism. Uh, um, there are others that are a little bit more guarded in their assessment. Basically, uh, we uh, we uh, we uh, we walk around like uh, like they do in Missouri, which uh, on the license plates, which says "Show me." Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm a hundred percent convinced. Uh, the sample size. And I'm thrilled. I mean, I'm a Leafs fan. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna hide that. I, I'm not gonna suggest that I'm an impartial observer. Um, that's not what we do on this show. Uh, I'm not 100 percent convinced. The penalty killing, um, it, you know, the playoff hockey is all about is all about uh, power plays and penalty kills. Uh, based on what you've seen, Butch, are are you convinced? Uh, are we are we now? I, I, I think it's fair to say we're an upper echelon team. Um, should should we be considered Stanley Cup favorites over Tampa or some of the other Boston, some of the other teams that are burning up the league, including Florida and Carolina and Las Vegas? And there there's about four or five or six teams that have similar records, winning percentages to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, in your comments, Walter, you brought up a very important word. You said impartial. Well, anyone announcing on on uh, TSN or Rogers is not impartial, right? Both of those companies own the team, so they're not going to be impartial. Those guys, uh, yeah, they like the team. And the reality of what COVID has created in the NHL is that you're not getting a true sample size of the Canadian teams playing down in the States. So to try to compare, you know, and those guys are professional, but... Guys, look, I've been here 21 years, and the Leafs have never ground out a playoff series. Do you have any attempt to get to the Stanley Cup Finals? So, you know, that's the sample size that I have. You're saying, oh, this team, well, they haven't played those teams, and they haven't they haven't been able to get through a grinding session of any playoff series, definitely in the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, they've just been their own worst enemy. You know, I mean, I still go back to that Boston series and their inability to recognize all they need to do is start a line fight to win the daggone game and get to the next series. So, you know, I I disagree with, you know, those impartial guys for TSN and Rogers. The mistake they're making is that the history of the team makeup is that they've not been able to grind out three series. And, you know, I beg to hear what you guys have to say about that. But, you know, if I'm wrong, that's history doesn't tell us exactly what's going to happen, but it's a pretty good indicator when you talk about sports teams. Lou, uh, your assessment, uh, uh, you know, we, we don't, you know, I, I, I don't want to rain on the Toronto Maple Leafs parade. We're thrilled uh, uh, of the of uh, where they are. And, you know, they did play well against uh, Edmonton. There's no question about it. They dominated Edmonton, and they played a Leaf game out west that you rarely see the Leafs play. We've been saying it for years. Uh, you know, you got to win those tight games. Uh, much of these were tight games. But the, they played, they, they're they playing, 
uh, I, don't, I don't even know the way to describe it. Through through four lines, uh, a two hundred foot game in a lot of ways. Uh, Lou, your your assessment of this edition of the Toronto Maple Leafs and where where they've improved over previous editions. Well, I'm going to put it no in no other easier way. These this Leafs team will be judged by what they do in the playoffs. Plain and simple. If they don't get by round one, if they don't get by round two, uh, I think there's going to be a major shakeup in this organization, starting with uh, uh, the people up top. They were built to play in the play uh, in the finals, plain and simple. They're, they're they're not going to be happy with ending up in first place in the Northern Division. They're not going to be happy with getting the so-called is it uh, what, what trophy do you get for the most points over the uh, over the regular season. They are going to be judged by what they do in the playoffs, plain and simple. Yeah, I think it's called the President's Trophy. Naz, correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct. <laughs> it's still like, you know, I I used to have such an incredible uh, uh, memory for for little trivia, but it seems to have escaped me <laughs> in my in my in my pending Zoomer ages. But uh, I managed to pull that one out. Uh, Naz, before we go to break, um, yeah, I mean. Uh, this overall, it was a great week uh, until we hit Vancouver. So a great week got turned into a good week. Uh, we're, believe, seven points clear of the Winnipeg Jets, and we get Winnipeg. I believe they're in town this week for three games. So uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, uh, an interesting week for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, uh, overall assessment, Naz, uh, midway point, basically, of the schedule. Um pluses and minuses and then we'll move on from this topic. Ness? I think they are, they are where they're supposed to be in the standings for sure. I mean, they've only lost six games, right? So they play pretty well. But you know what I'm finding, Wally? I'm finding uh, fighting is up in the league. There's fights all over the place. And, um, the game with Washington and Boston the other night, holy smokes. Was that ever a dirty game? And how does Ovechkin not get suspended for that spirit. <laughs> no idea. But I guess I guess there's an old uh, cliche: familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, so it's like the original six, where you're playing the same guys all season long, and you got 14 games or however many games you have against. So you get you get the I guess you get to generate some animosity. Uh, oh my God, so, it's unbelievable. Well, you, you, you know, you see it down in the American division. This is the point. Uh, perhaps where the northern division's a little bit different. Uh, up here, uh, I, I don't think we've seen as as much of that as uh, as, as perhaps you see down in the states. And you know, our our, our uh, you know Tom Wilson's at it again. Uh, cheap shot against Brandon Carlo got seven games for that. Uh, Lou, um, fighting's up, I guess, as Naz uh, says. Uh, is that a function of everybody gets to see each other a little bit more often? <laughs> They don't. Uh, they don't like each other. And uh, uh, Tom Wilson, uh, when's the NHL going to put an end to this? Well, you got to remember that I played in the area where we where we played uh, our teams and teams in our division seven times. So the, the battles that we had against Philadelphia, the battles we had against the Islanders, who we could never beat in the playoffs, uh, and also with the Leafs. Uh, when I was with the Leafs here, you, we had those battles with Chicago, Minnesota. Uh, it, it, it was just amazing uh, because we knew that there was going to be at least three or four fights almost every single night. Uh, and again, we go back to the way the style of game has has more or less has precluded us 
uh, right now, it's a completely different game. Uh, and th- they don't look for players that, that add that dimension. They, they look for skill. They look for goal scorers. Uh, and when it comes to playoffs, certain teams can switch it on and play that style of game because usually those are the teams that, that go far in the playoffs. And some teams, they can't turn it on and, and they're gone and they're on holiday. So it's, you know, the, the fighting's great because they know that the teams that they're catching right now or the teams that they have to catch are ahead of them. So they have to more or less send a message. You, you look at the, uh, the Edmonton uh, Calgary game, the Battle of Alberta there. You got Nurse and uh, Lucic going at it. And then uh, James Neal calls on Tachuk and he, uh, he accepted. Uh, so it, it's just, it, it adds a little bit different notoriety to a hockey game in the last couple of years than it did, let's say, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And for me, I think that's great because it shows the intensity, especially with no fans being in the crowd. It's really tough for a player to get involved now. And when you see that, you know that there's something at stake. Uh, Butch, um, Tom Wilson, um, seven games, Washington Capital, for an offense. Uh, and I guess the general the general point to you here is I mean, this guy's a multiple repeat offender. Um, you're you're you are trying to manage player discipline, whether it be in the NHL, the NBA. I, I mean, the NBA. I guess they don't they don't have it to the extent that they have in the NHL. But when you get a repeat offender like this, like at, at what point do you just you know, for, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, lock the door and throw away the key? Um, at what point do you, you give him a half-season suspension or a season suspension? I know it's the gentleman's livelihood, um, but how, what do you do as a if you're George Peros at NHL head office? Well, I mean, we know George was a fighter, but the problem at the end of the day is um, he's putting other players at risk. You know, it's, it's not his career. I mean, the concern is is he going to take someone out and hurt their career? So... You know, it's it's uh, the fact that it's tolerated by the league that they haven't suspended him for you know thirty games or is um, you know I think wrong. Um, you know, the NBA basically got clear, cleared up when Kermit Washington uh, punched Rudy Tomjanovic. Um, you know, there have been some fights, but there have been some huge suspensions based on you know that. Um, I would much rather see rough play than than fighting more more checking um but right now you know george is sitting there and uh, wherever he's sitting in uh, new york as far as head of punishment and he keeps finding a way to give the guy a, a short-term uh detention instead of a suspension uh on that note uh, i'll take us to our uh i'll take us to our last break and uh we'll be right back it was a rainy day when pizzaville announced the medium gourmet pizza special Get a medium gourmet pizza for just $13.99. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. 
is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're on AM 740, 96.7 FM in Toronto and www.zoomerradio.ca. Internet streaming. Uh, got about 10, 12 minutes left. We're going to rapid fire some topics, guys. Joining us today, uh, Butch Carter and Lou Franceschetti. Butch. NBA All-Star Game tonight. No Raptors. Uh, I like your comment on that and whether there should even be an NBA All-Star Game this year. I don't think there should have uh, been an All-Star Game, but they probably have an obligation in their, in their uh, TV contract. So, um, you know, I would prefer that, that the NBA did everything possible to get the guys the shots um, because I think it's really tough on fans trying to watch uh, what was a, a great product. But it's hard when you don't know who's playing every night. And, you know, if you just look at the last 10 days, what happened with the rap from the coaching staff and the players, you know, it's just really hard. And uh, during the pandemic, um, they should have found a way to bring more fans in who are sitting at home. But I don't think fans have enjoyed the NBA because they never know who's going to play and who's not playing. Any thoughts about no Raptors being at the game? Uh, I mean, it's 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 unfortunate. Uh, Pascal has had a, a really poor year um, from the standpoint of being an All Star. Um, Kyle has had a good year, but not a great year uh, because they're not a great team. Um, but you know, it's not. It's not the end of the earth. I mean, they have to rebuild. Every every team has to rebuild. And their rebuild started sooner when Kawhi left town uh, to go back west. So, you know, it's not, not the end of the world. The guys probably deserve the rest uh, that we're playing and a break with their family. And But it's it's no damage to them. The worst thing that's happened to the Raptors is they got banished to Tampa and, and can't play here in Canada. Nas, uh... Chris Schultz. Uh, we lost Walter Gretzky this week. We also lost Chris Schultz, and I think it would be remiss of us 
uh, if we didn't, uh, if we didn't, uh, to a certain extent, pay our respects to Chris Schultz, 61 years old, unexpected, uh, in a lot of ways, Mr. CFL, although he started his career with the Dallas Cowboys in the 1980s, a TSN broadcaster, uh, football for a long, long period of time, uh, Argo, uh, in the, in the, in the late 80s, um, you think about CFL football and you think about the CFL, you think about Chris Schultz, a giant of a man, a gentle giant from what I understand. Um, first of all, uh, our, our, you know, our condolences to, to the Schultz family. Uh, he will be missed. Um, he's not in the Canadian football hall of fame. And there are, there are other, other, um, what I call legends of Canadian football, not, necess- not necessarily Canadian CFL football, that are not in the Hall of Fame. If memory serves me correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Marv Levy's not there. Not even sure about Leo Cahill for that matter. Um, but I know Chris Schultz. Uh, your thoughts on Chris Schultz? And, uh, yeah, great career with Dallas and um, the Argos. He was at the Argos for nine years and with Dallas for four. He's quite the broadcaster, too, and I, I never met him, but I, I hear he's a, he was a really nice guy and had the firmest handshake ever. But uh, Chris is a young guy, and uh, yeah. sorry sorry to hear he passed away. Anyways, uh, we did uh, we did want to mention that. Um, moving on, um, a lot of coaching changes have already started in the NHL. Uh, Claude Julien's uh, second run with the Canadians has come to an end. Uh, Daryl Sutter is back behind the bench uh, in bench in Calgary. Um, there may be some other uh, there may be some other shoes to fall. Uh, the Buffalo situation is starting to look tenuous. The Sabers seem to be going nowhere fast. Uh, Lou, mid-season coaching changes, and then I uh, want to get your thoughts on this as well, Butch, uh, from a coaching's perspective, but from a player's perspective, Lou. Uh, Mid-season coaching changes. What are the chances any of this is going to... I didn't understand getting rid of Claude Julien. Uh, they got off to a really fast start in Montreal. Then, you know, then uh, they, they had a little bit of a rough patch. Uh, seems to be the team may have turned on him. Some lackadaisical efforts. And I guess Bergevin just stepped in uh, and said, uh, we've got to take this in a different uh, different direction Uh Lou, I don't know how many you've been through those in your coaching career, but what's it going to take for these coaching changes to to uh, to work? Well, I, I was only involved with one, and this is uh, uh, my year here in Toronto in uh, 89-90. We had a pretty good year with Doug Carpenter coming in, uh, or he came in that year. Uh, and the thing that's what happened that summer is they got rid of Gary LeRiviere and they brought in uh, Tom Watt as an associate coach. Uh, and I guess in their mind, uh, the Leafs brass there, they thought that if this team, uh, doesn't play up to our, our capabilities, that there was going to be an early move. And, uh, and what happened, I think after 11 or 14 games, uh, uh, Doug Carpenter got fired and, uh, and Tommy Watt, uh, moved right in and, uh, uh, and more or less put the beating to us that, that we needed to beat. But, what happened that year in Toronto is they traded probably a core of their hockey team. So it really wasn't the coach. It was just the players that they had to get out of there. Uh, you're looking at uh, Gary Lehman. You're looking at Gary, uh, Eddie Olchuk. You're looking at myself. 
uh, Ally Afraidy. You're looking at uh, who else was there? Mark Osborne, uh, Vinny Damsus. All those guys got traded that one year to Edmonton and Calgary in the big deal that they got for, for Dougie Gilmore and Grant Shear. So it, it, it's something that I guess that they think that it more or less there, there's a lack of uh, credibility in the dressing room. I guess the players aren't looking up to the coach. Uh, whatever the coach and the coaches are saying, it's more or less going in one ear and out the other, and they're still playing the kind of game that, that they want to play instead of what the coach wants them to play it to be successful. Uh, I didn't really agree on the, the Calgary uh, uh, situation with, uh, with Jeff Ward being fired. The Montreal situation is a little bit different because they are in the, in the mecca of hockey. And now, if Montreal doesn't turn around, you know, it's not going to be the coach's fault. It's going to be Mark Bergeron's uh, head's going to be on the platter. So uh, it, it's going to be a wait and time and wait kind of uh, situation. Uh, I, you, You've got to do what you got to do. The, the teams are not that far off uh, out of a playoff spot that they can still re, uh, save the season. And... Calgary and Montreal think obviously think that they got a chance to, to battle Toronto and Edmonton for for the top spots in in the Northern Division. So that's why they made those moves. Uh, Butch, uh, coaching changes early early season, shortly before mid season. Uh, what's the point, and what are the chances of success? Well, basically, they they believe that the team has uh, tuned out the coach, but. Um, you know, hiring a coach in any professional sport in the middle of the year is almost impossible um, because the the horses are out of the barn and trying to get them corralled back and keep their respect is the really tough part. Um, and you may have some players that welcome the change and you may have players that are just indifferent to quality change. So, um it's really tough in any sport. Um, you know, I, I did it, and, uh, you know, it turned out fine, but I knew all I was doing was that I knew that I would keep a, a really good notebook of who we had to get rid of, and it only worked for us because uh, at that time, Glenn and I were on the same page, and we knew exactly who we needed to get rid of, and the goal forward was we only traded for players on winning teams. Um it's just so hard when you play, you know, 80 games um, that you bring in guys that have been losing. Most of the time, their character has already been set, their culture and their mind has been set. So I think it's one of the toughest things in all of sports for a coach to take over the midterm and try to get everyone back on or 80% of them back on in the right direction. Uh, Nez, we've got about three, three, three and a half minutes left. Uh, April, I think, 12th, I'm not mistaken, 11th, 12th, or 13th, I can't remember, is the NHL trading deadline. And, of course, the Leafs being, uh, at this point, a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Um, Kyle Dubas and his management team uh, there's been already some discussions out there uh, where, if we want to improve this team, what are we going to be looking at? Some of the some of the commentators are suggesting we need another top six forward. I'm not so sure about that one, given we've got Wayne Simmons coming back. Um, some people are suggesting we need another physical presence on the defense. Uh, Leafs, 
if they are going to make a move, Naz, which uh, if you're a Stanley Cup contender, you have to have a legitimate look at what you have and fill in some pieces. Uh, they're they're kind of tight on the with the uh, with the dollars. Uh, they don't have a lot of financial flexibility. What should Kyle Dubas be looking for? He needs one more grinder on his team. That's it. He needs more, a little more toughness, just a little bit more. And, and, and where would you where would you slot that grinder in? He'd be slotted in and on the third line. He needs a little bit more toughness up front. Uh, certainly, uh, that would uh, probably uh, win favor with a lot of Leaf, uh, a lot of fans in Leaf Nation right now. We're off. <laughs> we've been looking for toughness. We we're thrilled to have Wayne Simmons. Uh, even even Jason Spez has been. Uh, I wouldn't call him a physical presence, but uh, he's not scared to go to the dirty areas either. Lou, what what should Dubas be? Uh, what should Dubas be looking at here? Well, I. I, I... Again, everybody's pushing a panic button here, uh, and they, they really shouldn't. But I guess if, if there's one area that, that they really do have to uh, improve, it's probably the consistency that they've got in which they approach these hockey games. Uh, and if you're going to make a move, uh, I know, like you, you said, that they're short on salary cap dollars. Uh, you're going to have to move out a Kerfoot. You're going to have to move out a, a Makayev, a, a gentleman, a guys of, of that nature to get a top six forward and, or, and bring in the, the salary that you're going to bring it in. Uh, and maybe... Let me, let me ask you this one, Lou. Let me ask you this one, because this, I'll, I'll be quite frank, this just popped in my head right now. There, there are certain teams that are already out of it. Okay, You can look down the lineups. Ottawa's not going anywhere. Detroit's not going anywhere. Uh, I don't know who the other bottom feeders are, but there, there's there's... Let, let's say there's a there's a core of six, seven, eight bottom players that have already realized that uh, you know, so they may want to move some pieces. And then you've got the then you got the problem of moving moving players in from the states. So if you're going to do it, you got to do it sooner rather than later because you got a 14 day quarantine. Is there such a thing in hockey? Because watching the game last night, I'm saying what the Leafs need is a penalty killing specialist. Is there such a thing as a penalty killing specialist? that the Leafs could bring in for, like, a minimum minimum wage, for lack of a better term? No, no, there really isn't, Wally. Uh, and, and there are three teams out there that uh, they're all open for business, and that's uh, Nashville, uh, Detroit, and, and Buffalo. And what you can do is you look at the roster and you can see if uh, what they have on their roster that thinks that, that might... Anyways, Lou, what, what I... You've uh, got to bring this team over the top. Okay, you're not going to do this team to make this just a little better. You want to, you want to make a deal that's going to put this team over the top, and they have to deal. They have to figure out on what they want. Uh, okay, if those three teams have what they want and what you have to give up to. Lou, unfortunately, Brandon's buzzing in my ear. Our producer says uh, we got to go. Uh, okay. Naz, uh, thank you, Butch. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for this morning. Wally, Corey Connors wins the Bay Hill today. Uh, I would love to see it, Butch. Thank you again, and Lou, thank no you to all our listeners. Have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.